This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This episode number 43, entitled Anti-Imperial Christology in 1 Thessalonians, Part 1. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that has its aim to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Hopefully these podcasts have encouraged you to start conversations with your friends about God's oneness and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dustin Smith and I am your host. Last week we began looking at how Paul described the person and work of Jesus Christ in deliberate contrast with the Roman emperor. We observed in the book of Romans that Paul was openly and deliberately subverting the imperial theology of Caesar with the Christian truth claims about Jesus Christ. As a reminder, the fastest growing religious movement in the first century was not Judaism or even early Christianity. Rather, it was the movement that worshipped the Roman emperor, his family, his rule, and his accomplishments. Those who participated in this movement of emperor worship are described by modern scholars as the imperial cult, or the Caesar cult as it's sometimes called. If anti-imperial Christology appears in Romans, a reasonable question may be asked, what about Paul's other letters? This episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast seeks to examine how Jesus Christ was preached within Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians in deliberate subversion of Caesar. Despite this letter being only five chapters long, there's actually enough material on counter-imperial Christology to make up two podcast episodes. So this episode will be the first in a two-part series. The city of Thessalonica was well on its way to becoming a Roman colony, a status that it achieved in the 3rd century CE. When Paul wrote to the believers of the city, it was then the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. The book of Acts, which doesn't go out of its way to make a point about conflict, nevertheless notes that Paul's early missionary work in Thessalonica was perceived by both Jews and the local Thessalonian officials as being counter-imperial. Acts chapter 17 says, When the Jews did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. That's Acts chapter 17, verses 6 through 7, where the book of Acts describes the missionary work in Thessalonica as being understood by both Jews and the civic authorities as being counterintuitive to the decrees of Caesar. The announcement of Jesus as the true king was something that was understood as offensive to the Thessalonians. When Paul converted pagans living in Thessalonica, what sort of things did he need to teach them about faithfulness to Jesus Christ that would have been seen as offensive to their former loyalties to the Roman emperor? Let's find out in today's episode. Our first point today is going to be looking at the parousia of Jesus and Caesar. The word parousia means coming and can also be translated as presence. Of course, if 
a royal visitor is present at your house, then he has arrived. He has come to your house. So the coming of Caesar would have been the presence of Caesar. When he has arrived at your city, he is presently there. Parousia, as a Greek term, appears more times in 1 Thessalonians than any other of Paul's letters. I find that as very significant for being one of the smaller letters, only five chapters long. Parousia, as a noun, is used of a variety of important rulers, kings, gods, goddesses, and especially of the Roman emperor. In fact, the coming of Nero Caesar who was the emperor during the writing of 1 Thessalonians, was celebrated in Corinth, a Roman colony, with the minting of coins saying in Latin, Adventus Augusti, which is the advent or the coming of Augustus. Augustus was the famous title that was given to Nero. And so we can see that the coming or the parousia of Caesar specifically the Caesar that was ruling during the time of the writing of 1 Thessalonians, was already being hailed in other cities, Roman colonies like Corinth, with the minting of coins. So what does Paul say about the coming of Jesus rather than the coming of the Roman emperor? In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul says this, For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? That's 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19. Paul there says that the Christian hope and joy and crown of exaltation is actually involved in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he returns with Paul's followers. He says, is it not even you? It's the followers that Paul has created in this church, and they are going to be understood as his hope, joy, and crown of exaltation. But this will occur at the coming, at the arrival, at the presence of Jesus, who is, by the way, our Lord. He says that Jesus is our Lord, deliberately contrasting the lordship of Caesar. So it's the Lord Jesus's coming where there's going to be rewards and hope, joy, and crowns of exaltation. We can see that this word coming also appears in chapter 3 when Paul gives a prayerful wish. He says, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. That's First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Paul there wishes that the hearts of his followers, the Thessalonian Christians, would be established without blame in holiness at the coming of, again, our Lord Jesus at the arrival of our Lord Jesus, when Jesus comes back at his second coming, and it's at the coming again. Notice here, it's not just the Lord Jesus, it's our Lord Jesus. The Lord that belongs to the Thessalonians is the Lord Jesus Christ, not the Lord Caesar, not the Lord Caesar Nero. So Paul here describes and encourages them with a prayer to remain in holiness so that they will be found complete and without blame at the arrival, at the coming of Jesus, who is the true Lord, 
in contrast to the coming of Caesar, a false lord. Famous passage about the coming of Jesus occurs in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, dealing with the arrival of Jesus to resurrect the righteous people. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 14 through 16. There we can see that the arrival of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the time when Jesus will be present with his people, will be a time when Jesus returns to raise the dead. The resurrection of Christians is the restoration of life of those who have died, those who are deceased. And of course, this promise is made because God raised Jesus from the dead. And since God has brought Jesus back to life and proven that God can raise human beings back to life, to immortality, then God can also raise other people. Of course, this resurrection has been handed over to Jesus, and Jesus will be the one that returns to raise the dead, and the dead in Christ will rise at Jesus' coming. Of course, this isn't even a promise that Caesar could make. Caesar couldn't say that when he returns, when he arrives at a city, that he can restore the dead back to life. So, of course, this promise is much more vibrant. It is much greater than any sort of promise of the coming of Caesar to a particular city could ever claim to be. Lastly, the fourth occurrence of parousia, of the word coming, appears in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Another one of Paul's prayers, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Paul there says to his community that the God of peace he wishes, he prays that the God of peace would sanctify you. By the way, that's you in the plural. That's you as a community. Sanctify this community there in Thessalonica and that they may be held complete without blame at the arrival, at the presence, at the coming of not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but again, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the lordship of Jesus and his arrival, his coming, the second coming of this Lord, which will demonstrate the preservation, hopefully in Paul's prayer, of the Thessalonian community, of the believers there in Thessalonica. So there we see that the arrival of Jesus will be an arrival that demonstrates the completion and the sanctity, the holiness, the set-apartness of this particular community, set apart to the lordship of the true Lord, Jesus Christ. So it's interesting there to see how the coming of Jesus upstages and subverts the supposed powerful coming of Caesar. Our second point today will be looking at the meeting slash escort of Jesus and Caesar. There is a very important word that describes a meeting or an escort 
used here in 1 Thessalonians. It comes from the Greek word apentesis. Greek word apentesis. And this word means an act of a city's residence going out to meet the distinguished visitor as he approaches the city, specifically in order to escort him to the city. So a royal dignitary would be traveling to a city, and the residents of that city would not wait for that visitor to arrive. They would go outside of the city gates and meet the visitor as he approaches and escort that visitor on his way to the city. That's what this word apentesis means. It doesn't just mean a meeting. It means a meeting where the people go out to meet the arriving guest with the intent to escort the person back. Of course, we don't have a good English word, which means a meeting with the intent of escorting the person back. So it just gets translated in our New Testament as a meeting or meet. But there's obviously, as I've just demonstrated, much more involved in this word meeting. This meeting was a regular civic custom common enough in the Roman world that Paul could expect anyone living in a Roman city to be well aware of this practice. And Paul here is going to link this word meeting with the parousia, with the coming of Caesar. And of course, Paul has already upstaged the coming of Caesar by promoting and highlighting and giving hope to the coming, the arrival, the presence of Jesus, the true Lord. We can see that the meeting, the act of going out to meet a visiting royal dignitary with the intent of escorting them back to the city, was well understood in the first century. Josephus mentions in his book Jewish War, book 7, verse 100, about the emperor Titus. He says this, but when the people of Antioch were informed that Titus was approaching, they were so glad for it that they could not keep within their walls, but hasted away to meet him, using again that same word. That's Josephus, Jewish War, Book 7, verse 100. There we can see there that these people are so excited at the arriving Roman emperor that they could not keep within their walls, they hasted away to meet him. But the point of meeting him was to go out to escort him back. Now, this is linked with the second coming of Jesus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We already read this passage about the return of Jesus to raise the dead. I'm going to read this passage along with the verse that deals with the meeting. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 17. There we can see there that Jesus returns at his second coming and he raises the dead. But those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet Jesus as he returns in the clouds. Okay, but again, this word meeting is a meeting with the intent of escorting the royal visitor back to where the people came from, to escort the royal visitor on his way to his journey. If Jesus is returning, if Jesus is descending from heaven, then he's descending from heaven on his way to earth. 
as Jesus descends, he raises the dead. Those who are alive are caught up, and they meet Jesus, and they escort Jesus on his way back to earth, where Jesus is going to consummate the kingdom of God there at his second coming. So there we can see that the word meet in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is not just a random meeting to stay there in the air. No, it's a meeting with the intent of escorting Jesus on his way back down to earth. And thus, and so, in this way, people will always be with the Lord. They will always be with the Lord because Jesus comes back. He's going to raise the dead. People are going to go and meet him to escort him down to earth, and everyone is going to be with the Lord at that time. So it's very interesting that this highly charged imperial Caesar word of meeting is actually used of Jesus. And this is obviously a much greater meeting, a much greater act of going out to meet the royal visitor with the intent of escorting him back to his destination is in compared to anything that could ever be said of Caesar. Our third point is looking at Caesar's peace and safety. Peace and safety. Peace and safety was a slogan that was used in the Roman Empire to announce the rule of the Roman emperor. It would be something that would be announced within their gospel, in the gospel of Caesar. We talked about the gospel of Caesar in our previous episode, which would be the announcement of Caesar's peace and safety that he has brought upon his realm, upon his kingdom, upon his empire. And of course, if Caesar has brought about peace and safety, then people are to respond by giving faithfulness, fidelity, the bowing of the knee, and the paying of taxes to this Lord, the Lord Caesar. We have an interesting writer of Roman history whose name is Velius Patriculus. He was a military tribune in Macedonia, and remember that Thessalonica was located in Macedonia. Velius wrote a history of Rome in the first century where he speaks of the peace and safety inaugurated in this region brought about by Caesar's lieutenant. This is what he says in his history of Rome. As lieutenant of Caesar, Lucius Piso fought the Thracians for three years, and by a succession of battles and sieges with great loss of life to the Thracians, he brought these fiercest of races to their former state of peaceful subjugation. By putting an end to this war, he restored security to Asia and peace to Macedonia, end quote. There we can see that this lieutenant of Caesar, by putting an end to this war, restored security and peace to Asia and Macedonia. There we can have peace and safety, peace and security. It was being hailed by a military tribune in Macedonia in the first century. Now what does Paul say about the peace and safety of the emperor? Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 2. Paul says, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying, Peace and safety! Then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day will overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light 
and sons of day, we are not of night nor of darkness. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 through 5. There we can see that Paul is openly and deliberately subverting the claims of the emperor's peace and safety. He's saying they're just claiming that it's peace and safety, but there's going to be the destruction of God that is going to come upon them mightily. And he says, look, the day of the Lord, the day, by the way, of the true Lord, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day that Jesus comes back. This is the day of Jesus' second coming. This is the day of judgment. This is the day when Jesus returns to raise the dead. This is going to be a day that is understood and sought after and hoped for by the sons of light, the sons of day. They are not of darkness. They are not of night because they are not being lured into this complacency, into this false claim of the peace and safety of Rome. True peace and safety is going to occur when Jesus returns to consummate his kingdom, his rule, and his empire in the world. And the truth claims, supposedly, of peace and safety in the kingdom and empire of Rome are not going to last according to Paul. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, like Paul's letter to the Romans, 1 Thessalonians contains many phrases and statements that describe the work and person of Jesus Christ in a manner which subverted the claims of Caesar. Christians were to eagerly await the coming of Christ rather than the coming of Caesar. The real act of going out to meet the Lord will occur with the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns to raise the dead and immortalize his followers. The peace and safety claims that Caesar is said to have established are only temporary. The real peace and safety will occur when the true Lord, Jesus Christ, returns. And lastly, by using Jesus to make a parody of Caesar, Paul sought to encourage his readers to solidify their allegiance to Jesus rather than to serve two different and mutually exclusive lords. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us. You may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link, or you can send it to paypal.me slash 10minutetruthtalks. Thank you so much for listening to us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time... You take care.